0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On Deck with Circuit Check. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you watching along for some live industry thought leadership. As we maneuver today's content, make sure that you're heading to our website as well as subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you'll find a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the show, we're going to be continuing our conversations around the larger testing technology ecosystem, exploring more aspects of the critical in-circuit test fixture, or ICT fixture. Now we've actually talked about ICTs in the past on our show. We've broken down some of the key considerations that end users should take as they look for an ICT quote and start that process top to bottom. Today, though, we're gonna be getting even deeper under the hood to better understand the technical considerations that shape an ICT fixture. We're wanting to ask questions like, what technical specifics are required for ICT? How do end users define those specifics for their own industry needs? And how will that impact the quality as well as the scope of an ICT project? Well, here to give us the full breakdown our three guests. We're going to first introduce our first two who helped us out on our last ICT journey on On Deck CircuitCheck. So I'd like to introduce Neil Adams, Senior Manager of ICT and Account Management with CircuitCheck, as well as Joe Prohoda, Account Manager with CircuitCheck. Neil, Joe, great to have you all both back on the program. How you doing?
1: It's good to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me
0: absolutely welcome back and then as our third guest we're joined for the first time by dave tucker he's president of test technology associates which is an almost 40-year company with a track record of best in class test engineering services specifically providing in-circuit solutions dave welcome to the program how are you today oh doing
2: good thanks for having me
0: Absolutely. Well, a big welcome to all three of you. Thank you for taking some time to maneuver this ICT conversation today. And I want to start by connecting the dots between our last ICT conversation and today's topic. So uh, Neil and Joe, since y'all were both our guests on that last conversation, let's start with a little brief overview from that podcast, right? Give us the recap on what is an ICT fixture and how does it affect the broader PCB manufacturing process?
3: Sure. Thanks, Daniel. Well, you know, if if you're new to in-circuit test or printed circuit board manufacturing, you're going to notice that uh, an ICT fixture is a custom interface between the circuit board that you want tested and a piece of test equipment called automated test equipment or ATE. So we have the circuit board, we got the fixture, and we have the larger ATE equipment that uh, has the brains behind testing the circuits on that printed circuit board. So basically, we have a circuit board that's contacted with spring-loaded uh, test probes. They're contacting the, the circuit board. They're wired down to an interface on the, uh, on the test fixture, and then that's connected to the ATE uh, test equipment. There's a test program that has to be written in order to communicate effectively in what we want to test and how we want to test that between the circuit board the test fixture and the piece of ate hardware um, and then we have to define what we want tested so in circuit test is performed right at the beginning of the manufacturing cycle. Uh, It's right behind the, the solder reflow machines or IR ovens. So that circuit boards coming out, it's being tested right after that process. And rule of thumb is manufacturing of those printed circuit boards does not continue if it can't be tested. So this the uh, test fixture or test program are vitally important that we have those in place as manufacturing begins. Otherwise, we're not going to manufacture it, we can't test it. Uh, So as it states, we're testing the components that are on that printed circuit board in in circuit, reference ICT test, in circuit testing. Uh, We'll test either each component individually where we test some of the components in a chain depending on the topography of the circuit board and what we have access for testing. Um, and when we can test them in individually, so you have a circuit board with maybe hundreds or thousands of components and circuits that need to be tested. And the ATE is a pretty powerful piece of hardware that can test a typical circuit board in less than a minute. Some of the more complex tests, maybe we'll run two minutes, but all in all, we're gonna, we're gonna have a, a limitation of about Two minutes, less than a minute type of test. Um, so, what are we testing for? We're testing that the correct component was put on the circuit board in the correct location, in the proper orientation. Uh, and then, as the test continues, we, we all right, we know it's there. It's cor- it's it's accurately placed. It's oriented correctly. Uh, we're going to test that it's soldered in place correctly. That's one of the big things. Are the components soldered? And lastly, we're going to check it for values. Is it the right value? That's going to determine, is that the right piece that was soldered in that location? Uh, And beyond that, there may be some other tests that we want to perform, uh, sensitive components. Uh, maybe this is a second or third revision of the circuit board. So we, maybe we have some history behind it and we'd say we've had some field returns or some, uh, failures because of this component. So we'll probably take that test and dig a little bit deeper into, uh, that portion or those components or nets on that circuit board to test those, uh, just to give it a, a more thorough test. Um, and then there's other things we can test too, uh, leds a lot of circuit boards leds have become huge in the auto industry lately in a home use also as we want to reduce power consumption so we can test leds on a printed circuit board uh, by color and intensity uh, so that's one of the big things we'd actually test them. Are they lighting up by using optical devices that are pretty standard. Uh, we can also test through connectors. Uh, there's kind of two tests. If we want to test through a connector, one would be to gain additional access to circuitry that normally not, uh, easily probed th- through those spring probes that we discussed. Or we can also test that the connector is properly in place and all the, parts and components on that uh, said connector are uh, correct Uh, we can check speakers microphones even push buttons depress buttons on uh, the surface of the board or move switches too Uh, those are a a few additional features Um, but we want to test as much as possible with the in-circuit tests since it's right in the front end of the manufacturing if we do find uh, board failures typically the um, test equipment will signal an operator somewhere down the line that, hey, we think we have components that are mismatched from what uh, the test is indicating, or we have some components that are missing. Do we want to continue? Do we want to uh, make an inquiry up the manufacturing line to check the reels on the pick and place equipment to make sure that we have the proper components loaded? We don't have a component jammed. So this test equipment is very, very important and it's very, uh i wouldn't say it's it's smart we we've we've learned a lot in the last 30 years how the test should operate and things to look for in order to make uh those first pass yields and first pass yield is an important uh uh wording that we use in this industry, we want to make sure first pass yield is as close to 100% as possible. That way we know our manufacturing is really uh, dialed in and we're going to get the most efficiencies uh, throughout that manufacturing process up to the uh, ICT test. Um, What do we test? Typically there's mission critical um, uh, circuit boards out there that may be in the automotive, the mill arrow, uh, medical telecom, uh, and, and even industrial controls. So you'll find that in-circuit test really uh, covers top to bottom in all the major uh, industries out there. And uh, it's, it's something most companies that manufacture circuit boards can't live without. Uh, that's it in a nutshell
0: neil you gave us a great ict breakdown there thank you so much uh joe i'm just going to open the floor to you if you want to follow up on any of neil's points there since you were also on the last episode
1: uh, no i think neil did a great job um walking through what in circuit test is why it's important um and integral to the pcb manufacturing process
0: love it all right then a little teamwork makes the dream work Let's jump over then to uh, our next point here, which is uh, just uh, further connecting the dots with our last conversation. uh, And then we'll get even deeper into some of the technical specifics around ICT. Uh, So what I'm curious about is uh, just giving another recap and helping frame the rest of the conversation around what is needed for a quote, as well as realizing a project top to bottom for turnkey ICT fixtures, specifically turnkey ICT fixtures. Could you break that down from both what is needed on the data side, as well as what is needed from a technical standpoint?
1: Sure, Daniel. So typically what happens is when our customers decide to move forward um, planning purposes with with an in-circuit test, Fixture and program a turnkey project. Typically, what what's provided um, is CAD data in ASCII format, um, a bill of materials in Excel format, and a PDF file of this of the circuitry, a schematic. Um, typically, what we also ask for is you know we can take that information and somebody such as Dave Tucker with TTA, they can take and kind of generalize the requirements and we can deliver uh you know a very basic um industry standard ict test uh you know making some assumptions on test coverage uh vectorless tests led tests and so on and so forth but a lot of times what we like to ask our customers is uh, to make sure that they provide us a statement of work if there's very um specific requirements uh regarding connector access uh, specific um you know led testing requirements device programming if they have special concerns with vectorless tests you know by all means we would ask for a statement of work um uh provided to us so that we can take all them considerations um into the quote of the project it also helps dave um you know on the software side you know there's expectations that okay if they're calling out device programming in System programming, for example, Dave can take and 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 he can review the schematic, bill of materials, uh, part numbers of all the devices, and find the most efficient, quickest, and cost-effective method to uh, carry out those requirements. Um, from a uh, once this quote, uh, once the quote's received and the customer decides to move forward with the project, um, typically what we would do is we would ask to make sure that the data is um, okay to move forward with the project on. Uh, A lot of times PCBs will rev um, from the time that the quote is uh, provided uh, up until, you know, this turns into a project. So what we'll end up doing is we'll ask to make sure that you know, if the data is the, the the most up-to-date, the most current, and then, you know, we move forward with that. Uh, from a hardware standpoint, um, for an in-circuit test project, it's pretty basic. Uh, we ask for a current rev loaded board. Uh, if the loaded board can't be provided, um, or a, a current rev, a lot of times, these boards might not even have been built yet, if we're dealing with with the newer rev so a lot of times what we ask for is the latest current rev board uh which might be a couple revs down but at least it gives us something to work with and our engineers um and our engineers will take that loaded board and, and they'll make measurements to make sure hardware wise, uh, we don't have any collisions with the fixture. We have our proper clearance um, in for any component milling and so on and so forth. So that loaded board is very important. We also asked for a bare board. Um, And that's not required, uh, but it really helps us dial in at the end of the manufacturing process when we're actually doing our quality checks, um, checking uh, witness marks again with the fixture to the uh, bare board. It's much easier to do that with a bare board because there's no components on it than with a loaded board. and then also, uh, you know, if part of the requirements is strain mitigation, strain mitigation being a finite element analysis or FEA or a strain gauge analysis um, uh, (SGA), uh, if that is a if strain mitigation, hardware strain mitigation in the form of strain gauge analysis is required, we would ask for a second board because that is a destructive process to the PCB. Um, you know, we put sensors on the board, rosettes on the board, and then. Um, uh, uh, we test the strain on that circuit board in the, in the fixture. So.
0: Any follow-up thoughts there from the rest of the team on what's needed from either a data or technical standpoint, uh, to achieve a quality ICT fixture and the initial quote. All right, love that. Then let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Dave, I want to pull from your experience a little bit. Uh, At TTA, I know a major part of what you provide your clients are uh, DTF services, designed for testability services, uh, if I understood that correctly. And that would be methods and strategies that can increase ICT yields and quality. So I want to break that down a little bit uh, and better understand in practice why. You see DTF as being needed. Why it's important and how it impacts the overall success of an ICT fixture.
2: All right, no problem. I, I can I can jump deep into that. We we do this every every single day. I, I kind of break it down into a why would you do it, when do you when would you do it, and how do you do it, right? So um, DFT is basically saying that we can test a, a board as good as possible at ICT and I think Neil covered this it's it's making sure your process is correct making sure the solder process is in the placement is correct and you have the correct values um and catching catching all these problems at at an early stage is is going to be cost much less than uh than if we get it on down to functional and then it gets caught and gets uh gets fed back at that point. Um, what I tend to do is when I get get a DFT request, I'll, I'll go through a schematic review and see if we have access, uh, if we have some parts in there that look like they couldn't be tested good at ICT, uh, maybe give that feedback to the customer and see if they could roll that in. And the time to do it, the win is as early as possible. Um, lots of times you'll have the... Uh, functional, the, the board will actually work functionally, but it may not be testable at ICT yet. So we get called on to make sure we have access to what we need. And once they've gone through one CAD spin, um, they'll, they'll usually have the test points added or a few of them. And then at that point, we can give them instant feedback on what the access looks like, how we're gonna be able to test things, what kind of coverage we're gonna get. and this will go two or three rounds. Lots of times when, when it's a new design, we'll, uh, we'll go back and we'll get a second grab of the CAD. I'll run another CAD compare. We'll run it back and give them the access to those, uh, all the access on that.
0: Joe, uh, Neil, how do you all see uh, design for testability playing into some of the work that uh, you do as well? And uh, do you agree there with Dave's um, assessment of its importance in the grand scheme of launching an ICT fixture?
3: Yes, absolutely. Uh, The design for test is vitally important. Because as as Dave said, sometimes you can catch uh, faults during a functional style, or power up test and that you can't necessarily catch those in circuit. So one of the things that uh, Dave and TTA would possibly recommend is let's build a bi-level fixture. And that's a a test fixture uh, with two different level probes, There were short stroke and long stroke probes. And it allows us to do two different tests uh, on the in-circuit fixture. We can power the board up after uh, after some subsets of the tests are done, and then we can also do the, in- the normal in-circuit test at the same time. So I think his analysis is vitally important to look at what components, what circuits that are on that printed circuit board, then determine the best way that that board can be tested uh, efficiently and economically. Do, do you agree, Joe?
1: Uh, yes, I I would agree with that. And and uh, you know, typically during a, a a DFT process, Dave is uh, you know, going through finding access, finding the best way to test the board, um, you know, from a fixturing standpoint, as Neil said, uh, utilizing um, features such as dual stage, uh, you know, to make sure that when he gets the fixture, um, you know, he's able to get the board to power up. Um, you, you know, adding as much functionality into the test as possible. And also, you know, one thing to add is, is, you know, during the MPI process and the design process, you know, a, a customer may not have any tests at all. So, you know, they're only proving their design, you know, out on paper and and and, and they're, they're building a circuit board and they're trying to, you know, functionally test this on a bench. You know, one of the services that, um you know i think dave offers um you know is a flying probe service and in flying probe is basically uh fixtureless test it allows for very low um volume testing but what it can do is it can deliver a fairly reliable um <coughs> finalized uh, uh board to the customer um, where they can be fairly confident that um uh, it's it's gonna work properly so that, i don't know dave is there is there anything to kind of add on that on the you know the flying probe end of things during the dft you know, process
2: uh, we'll get that um we're doing a uh, flying probe this is usually before a lot of the dfts been rolled in as far as access goes at least and we can with the flying probe you can get way down and, and touch a lot of parts that we can't necessarily at certain angles get at ict but um, rolling back to the, the CAD is what I, what I was thinking about. A lot of times I'll get a request for uh, for access, and maybe we'll run it through, and it says it's got 20% access to the board. But if we go and look at some of the vias that could possibly turn, be turned into test points that may, maybe have solder mask on them or they're too small, then that's also valuable feedback to the customer. so for very little, you could turn a, a 30, 20, 30% access board into a 50 or 60. And in in a perfect world, uh, I, I tell them, let's try to shoot for 25 mil targets, right? And with 50 mil spacing center to center. But in reality, that's usually not what we end up with. Lots of times we'll get down to the 18 to 20 mil targets with 30, 39 mil spacing. But, um, i mean in closing for dft you just don't want to underestimate it for ict it's it's a it's a piece of it where um you're going to have your design engineers and your test engineers working together and and you really do have to work together to to try to get the best test at ict and the most access and want to to catch these things early and um as neil alluded to you want your first pass yields to be right at 100% if you can get it. And when they're not, that means you're, you've probably caught something that, that has been done wrong, the reel's in there, or the wrong part's been put on, or it hasn't been put on right. So uh, it's, it's very important that we have as, as much access or the ability to test a part for that board uh, as much as we can in ICT.
0: Something else we've spoken on on the program is the cross-section between ICT and fixed-circuit testing. Uh, some of the relevant ways they're similar and obviously different where they're applicable. Uh, I'm curious how you see those two worlds intersecting for today's conversation. Uh, Specifically, do you see any potential time savings or cost savings that come from incorporating aspects of a fixed circuit test into an ICT fixture? Break down what's possible there, what's not possible, and how that ends up playing out in practice.
1: Yeah, so um... I guess the 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 main difference between functional test and in circuit test is um, ICT is performed um, a lot of times it's called a manufacturing defects analysis uh, analysis. so what what it does is it, it looks through, makes sure all the parts are soldered on. It's the correct value. They're the right way around, and um, you know, power up testing, and it's done very quick. It's done very efficient, and then it's moved on to the next aspect of test, which would be functional test. Um, some of the 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 um, highlights of in circuit tests is fault isolation. You can get down and you can find the individual component that failed it. It allows for very rapid repair, very rapid retest, and um, it, it can be retested very quickly. When you move on to functional tests, one of the um, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a downfall, but one of the the the, the differences between in-circuit test and functional is uh, um, you're not able to fault isolate down to the component level. You might be able to fault isolate down to a a, uh, a circuit level or a block diagram level if you will with a functional test but the the the, the granularity that in circuit test provides that functional test might not be there so a lot of times what our customers will do um, you know, to try to incorporate, you know, savings and 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 time-wise. And another thing with functional tests is it typically takes longer than ICT to run. So the longer something takes to run, the more expensive that's going to be. So um, uh, typically, what our customers will do, or, or a lot of our customers will do, they will take their functional test spec and they will try to incorporate as much as that functional test. Into in-circuit tests as they can, so they get the fault isolation and they get the speed at which the test runs. So, um, you know, some of the things that 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 we typically run it in, run into is, um, uh, you know, insert in-system programming of components. So, in-system programming meaning firmware on the board. Um, uh, programmable logic devices. Um, you, you know your flash programming, your serial EEPROM programming. A lot of that can be done at ICT. Um, you know that that it can be verified at functional test, but it's programmed at ICT. Um, some other things that we see is is a lot of um, JTAG testing, uh, 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 BSDL uh, uh, BSDL testing. Um, and what that allows is it allows a very quick test on devices that are are are, are JTAG compatible. Um, it allows a very high level um, uh, uh, fault coverage on those types of components. So, um, and a lot of times they're incorporating uh, JTAG tap testing um, into functional tests. That also allows the devices to be programmed via uh, the JTAG technology. A lot of or what typically would not be possible um high speed testing uh typical ates are only good to a certain megahertz as far as signal integrity is concerned so a lot of times you know that higher speed testing um, you can't do it at ict or if you can do it it might not be uh, economically possible to do it all the all of because of all the extra hardware uh, that might have to be added um, to both the ATE and the fixture. Um, A lot of times, you know, high voltage testing, high pot testing, uh, ATE systems, they do not like high voltage, um, high pot testing. So a lot of times you either have to use very strategic test methods to do high voltage or high pot testing, um, or it can't be done at in circuit tests. you know, Dave has got a lot of experience uh, in within system programming, uh, incorporating levels of functional tests into in-circuit tests. So I, I, I don't know, maybe I just would ask Dave's comments on, um, you know, if there's anything else you'd like to add.
2: And, and you're right, we're seeing a lot more of the, uh, the ISP system programming these days than, than we were even probably 10, 10 years ago. We, it, it kind of cycles though so in the in the 90s everybody was wanting uh, everything to be programmed all their be programmed, and then it seemed like that all went away in the early 2000s and then mid 2015 2016 all of a sudden we get this big uh, upswing of folks wanting to do all the isp programming and and that's not uh it's it's a really good time saver, especially when you can do all of this in parallel. We we work with a company, SMH Flash Runner, and they have the capability of programming a lot of devices in parallel in system and that's it's a very very good way to to roll out and, and keep your keep your beat rate, especially when you're going into high volume.
3: So, Dave, doesn't that save the customer a few dollars by not having to inventory pre uh, programmed parts and it also flashes the most current uh, firmware?
2: Absolutely. That's that's exactly why they do it that because, especially maybe in automotive, you're going to see changes in things that are getting programmed all the time. And if they buy the, the pre programmed part, it's going to have to get. Re flashed, erased, and reprogrammed at ICT, whereas just find the, the blank parts, you just put the fresh, the latest image on it and, and move on.
1: It's a great time saver for them, too. Good. Yes, yeah, software changes are always cheaper than hardware changes down the line. Very true.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks for that intersection there between functional circuit testing and ICT. I, I definitely said fixed earlier when I was pitching this, so apologies there, but definitely meant FCT, functional circuit testing. Appreciate that intersection. Now, what I want to do is move on to uh, different types of ICT systems, so really getting into those technical differentiators when we see them in practice. Uh, there's inline ICT systems, we've got standalone uh, and various other different types. I'll let y'all break that down, but could you give us the pros and the cons of the different types, or at the very least, where you see all of them being most applicable?
2: I can take that one. Um, for fly, flying probe, is, we talked about that a little bit. Is that's when we're gonna be uh, probably doing NPI low volume, Anytime you're thinking the design may change, you're not going to want to build thousands of these boards, right? So, what they'll do is we'll we'll get those in. We'll do a flying probe development on it on the Takaya, and test boards for customers. And you may have runs of 20 to 50 boards. This is before before you've ro- really rolled this out into mass manufacturing. And then after that, then. From what we support, it's uh, Keysight and, and Teradyne, and both of these are the dominant ICT testers in manufacturing. These are these are the ones that have been around the longest, and and really what the go-tos are at all the uh, uh, com- contract manufacturers. Um, and and I like it that there's two of them that they kind of have competition between them, but competition is good for for this industry, and it, it makes each one better when one of them will come up with something new some new way to test uh, a part or a quicker way of doing it then the other one will answer right back with with their solution which i think is good for our industry because i mean frankly when i got into this in 82 i was i was told you might want to go into functional because ict is not going to be around very long so um it's it's Stood the test of time for, you know, 40 years for me at least. So uh, kind of breaking it down though, on, on the, uh, the ICT you've got the traditional, what, uh, what we've talked about a little bit about, it'll either be a, a vacuum box or a pneumatic fixture that Circuit CircuitCheck's going to make. And this one, the operator loads it and unloads it. And these are, these are for mid to high volume. And, uh, and this is what most people have out, out in the industry. And, even And at this stage, you still are going to get a lot of folks that are going to want to do the device program and the ISP programming. So we roll a lot of that either into the fixture or it's built into the tester. Now, where it really kicks it up is when they go to Inline. So, and both Teradyne and Keysight have these testers. And this is for the high volume stuff that uh, you're going to be doing. We do a lot of it with automotive. And... Medical is very important on this. Those small devices that you see get programmed and and they they crank out tens of thousands and millions of these in a year. And also control logic, you'll see that a lot also. But what we see on that for the programming is we'll either have it built in to the tester or you can also, Teradyne, they do a good job of, Doing the programming without any hardware, and for the Keysight side, we normally use uh, SMH or a programming pod that gets uh, built into uh, both of those platforms. But we're thinking, at least is what what I'm seeing, as far as trending, is that we're seeing a lot of a lot more of the inline becoming more popular uh, in the states or North America, at least, and. I'm kind of leaning towards that being something we're going to see continue to grow. Um, I think they talked a little bit about, Joe talked about uh, the dual-level fixtures that we, we do quite a bit. And we'll run into this, and I'll, I'll, I'll see this at quote level. And when I'm looking at a schematic, I'm, I'm looking for power circuits that have switchers in them, PWMs, controlled voltages. You want to make sure that you don't have load of the tester or probes on that, if possible, because you can actually get the wrong voltage to be coming out and you're gonna damage the board. So it, it takes a pretty keen eye to, uh, to be able to see what, how that's gonna be a problem and and upfront identify it to be a, a dual stage fixture. Um, one of the thing that we're, we're talking about a lot now is um, as we get the automated, self-driving cars coming down down the line, anything that's gonna be uh, controlled by itself is a lot of cyber security's coming into play now at ICT. And this did not used to be anything that was even discussed at, at ICT at all. So, uh, especially with automotive, we're seeing a lot where we rolled in some of the cyber uh, security, security that we're gonna have to put in there. And it's gonna change from time to time that's again. That's why we go with the uh, blank parts in, to program all the cybersecurity into to all of the uh, parts that we're seeing.
0: All right, everyone. We're approaching the end of our broadcast here. I've got one more core question here, and would love to hear from uh, all of you here. Really, whoever wants to uh, jump in, but. Uh, what I'd like to close our broadcast with is hearing a bit about uh, some of the worldwide insta- uh, excuse me, integrations and installs of ICT systems and using that to frame uh, how you're seeing all of these methodologies as well as uh, the impact of ICT in practice. So go ahead and break down uh, some of those ICT fixtures that you think are worth mentioning, whether those are on-site installs, remote installs, et cetera.
3: Well, we've had a little bit of change in the past uh, two years with the pandemic. And uh, at that time, a lot of the manufacturing was localized uh, in one region of the world. And what we found with that is uh, we had supply line issues and supply chain issues. So, in and in CircuitCheck's always been set up this way, so it's a little bit different for us, but, but it's kind of left some of the uh, manufacturing regionalized that didn't really pan out to allow those products to be to continue to ship throughout the world as needed so uh what we're seeing most recently is now we want to uh uh take manufacturing and put it in multiple locations around the world so if there's a pandemic uh, outbreak here or or there that the oems have the manufacturing coverage in two or more locations, which um, allows them to continue shipping and and uh, keep the supply their su- supply lines moving to get product to customers. And uh, you know during the past pandemic the, the big issues were medical devices and respirators and so forth. So CircuitCheck check has uh, we've got support locations in Silicon Valley, Guadalajara, uh, northern Mexico, central China and Malaysia. Uh, which are most of the hot spots of manufacturing. Well, because of the regionalization, now we want to go to multiple uh, manufacturing sites. The OEM, which is the original equipment manufacturer, uh, those are the people that have their name, the brand name on the products that uh, are being shipped. Uh, They want to have those multiple locations now to ensure that they can continue to ship products. So now they want to order the test equipment or the in-circuit fixtures from CircuitCheck and have us help them deploy them worldwide. Uh, And by having a single source like CircuitCheck and and the programming through TTA, it allows them to have more control over uh, their shipping methods and, and or or manufacturing locations and they can still meet the customers demands uh, so by by us having that uh the worldwide support they it, it allows them to order from CircuitCheck. Uh, and if it's a U.S. manufacturer or North American manufacturer, it allows them to have a local uh, tie-in with us. And then they might say, well, we want deployment in three different regions around the world, which Circuit Check can do. Uh, and uh, furthermore, if they need to have the, if it's a turnkey uh, program, we can also do the integration of the test fixture uh, with the program at these locations throughout the world to give them uh the capability of having feet on the ground, uh, whereas they don't have to leave their office here uh, in North America. So that's one of the nice things that, uh, that's allowed us to continue our expansion uh, even during the pandemic uh, outbreaks. And uh, that also gives the OEMs the insurance that we got it covered. Uh, that's my take on uh, uh, the worldwide integration i don't know whether anybody else has anything else to add
1: uh yeah i guess um you know with the with the the, uh pandemic as Neil had mentioned is we have a lot of requests um to be able to support um both on-site um and and remotely so less on-site um with the pandemic uh more remote so what what we can offer as far as you know remote installs are concerned is is typically the contract manufacturer will um you know designate a time when they have received the fixture they have received the software they've installed the software um on their uh, ate machine and they're ready to begin the integration um and then typically what happens is you know they with all the 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 new technologies that are out there, such as Microsoft Teams, uh, GoToMeeting, um, Zoom, any of the other uh, uh, software that's out there, they could very quickly send a link out you know, to Circuit Track or uh, TTA, and they can ask for remote support. And then, you know, typically we'll go through and and, and we'll install it, uh, the fixture and the software. We'll get it running with production boards. You know, maybe perform some uh, uh, gauge R um, and R testing and stuff like that. And and um, you know, we can get them off and going and and, and testing boards. Um, so. Dave, is there is there anything, you know, specific, uh, you know, where TTA, you know, supports uh, remote installs? You, uh, I know you guys do uh, on-site installs, you know, in the continental U.S., but, you know, specifically, you know, um, where would TTA be able to support at?
2: Yeah, it's, it's really, really changed over the last probably 10 years. We used to do almost all uh, on-site installs all across the US and, and maybe into Mexico sometimes. But uh, even before the pandemic, we, we started to migrate to more remote installs. So if we, we have a good sample of boards here, we, we can ring out the programming fixture really well. We can normally just ship it up. Like you say, they'll, they'll, they'll set up a time for us to, to log into the tester put those samples back across, maybe take some fresh boards and, and see how they test out. But it, it's been a, a huge, huge for us during the pandemic because obviously none of us can travel, but we're still able to support customers. I mean, if you need it today and you're having a problem today, you can, you can ping us and we can probably work out a time to jump on and, and see what's going on. And it's something we can fix easily or is it something that has to be shipped back. But uh, yeah, remote. I see remote still being uh, being big going forward. Now we are starting to uh, go out and do some on-site installs, and, and I think that has value too because you get to you get to meet with the customer a little bit, be closer there and understand what what they're they're seeing and what their their projects are that are coming up. So it, it has value to also go on-site, but. Uh, I think we are going to still trend towards the remote installs going forward.
0: And I think on that note, that does it for our broadcast today. Thank you so much to the three of you for maneuvering this conversation today and giving us all of the technical specifics that define ICT fixtures as well as guide some of their use cases and quality. So thank you again to our Two Circuit Check guests. We had neil adams senior manager of ict and account management as well as joe perhoda account manager again both with circuit check and thank you again to dave tucker president of test technology associates for joining us here on the show for the first time dave we'll start with this final question here for you if folks want to find out a little bit more about the work tta is doing they want to get in touch potentially source your services how can they do so
2: Uh, You just look us up on the web at testtechnology.com, or you can call the office at 214-483-3707. My extension
0: is 300, and uh, we can get something rolling for you. And then, same question over to the Circuit Check team, Joe and Neil. If folks want to find out more about Circuit Check's role on this side of the industry, and maybe they want to get in touch, how can they do so?
3: Well, as as Dave said, you can find us on the internet, CircuitCheck.com. Uh, we also have a wide range of uh, business development engineers in the in North America and uh, Asia. So, you know, once you get a hold of our uh, website, you can find the uh, your local BDE, or you can call me at uh, 763-694-4214, or send me an email, at circuitcheck.com, and we'll be uh, here to uh, handle questions and take care of you.
0: Perfect, thanks again to all of you, Neil, Joe, Dave, it's been a
1: pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel.
0: And thank you everyone for watching another live episode of On Deck with Circuit Check, a Circuit Check podcast. If you like what you heard and saw and would like some more circuit check content, make sure you're heading to our website circuitcheck.com as well as subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next live episode of On Deck with Circuit Check.